Welcome to Life Center Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and our church, visit lifecenternyc.com. This is a very special service for us. We're going to be ordaining this morning Merrily and Sherwin and Lachlan and Caitlin. I want to start by saying we weren't smart enough to figure it out that 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 God had his hand on these two, but the Holy Spirit is the one who raises up one and sets them apart. Um, it might have been well over a year ago, um, actually a couple of years ago, sitting in a circle in, uh, in a park over by Battery Park City <clears throat> with a men's group, and Lachlan Shader's testimony, and I felt the fear of the Lord because I knew God had set him apart. And, and Caitlin as well. Because, you know, God calls, the two shall be one. And so a calling is over both lives. It's not over one. And similarly with Sherwin and Miralee, the fruit of their lives has just expressed the clear separation that God has placed on them. So this is nothing that I can say that they've strived for, that they've asked for, that they've put forward, but it's something that we recognize that the Holy Spirit is doing. And so I want you to turn with me to Acts chapter 13. And there's deepness in what's taking place this morning for everyone in this room. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Holy Spirit's doing because... Each and every one of you have a call, a purpose in God. First and foremost, it's just to be a lover of who he is. Can I say that again? First and foremost, you are called to love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your might, all your strength. And then after that, it's outworked by how you love others and to love your neighbor as yourself because if we can't love our neighbors, then we, the Bible says we can't love God. And we've been called as lovers of God. Acts chapter 13, beginning of verse 1, I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Now, there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart. Everyone say set apart. So that's what we're doing today. The Holy Spirit is saying something, and we're honoring what he's saying. Set apart for me Paul, Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. 
Now, the church in Antioch was actually planted by Paul and Barnabas. It, they were moving already in the call that was on their lives. There was fruit evident. And when they, set their, when they laid their hands upon them and set them apart for the work that they were called, it was a recognition of what God was obviously doing and what the Holy Spirit said. That's what we're doing today. I, I want to say, again, it's, it wasn't, really wasn't Bill and Tammy's idea. This is just recognizing the Holy Spirit is saying something, and we're, we're honoring what he's saying. I want to speak to you just for a few minutes on leadership in the kingdom, because it's very different than what's modeled in the world. And let me say, it's often very different from what's modeled in the church. And we have to strive for being kingdom people. When I say the church in various organizations, maybe sometimes even this one, like we're trying, but we fall short a lot. I, I fall short. I'm a weak and broken man, uh, and I fall short of all that God's called me to, but I'm, I, I want to be quick to repent and, and, and zealous to get back to that place with the Lord. Leadership in the kingdom is synonymous with serving more. And it's interesting because Jesus picked 12, right? And they would argue amongst themselves who would be the greatest. <laughs> because that's what human flesh, I say human flesh, just the carnal desire of men seek recognition. And it's a work of the flesh. Um, and we need to just be aware of that because we need to crucify the works of the flesh. The, the, the works of the flesh that want recognition from men. You know, we want to seek, the work of the Spirit is to seek the, the recognition that only comes from God. The honor that only comes from God. You know, even if all men, Jeremiah is a great example. If you're in our Bible reading plan, we've been reading through Jeremiah. And he did not get recognition from men, but he was honored by God. Okay. It's quite the opposite of asking to seek the highest place of honor at Jesus' right and left hand as the mother of uh, John and James went to Jesus and asked, can, can my two sons sit at your right and left? And he said, he said, you don't know what you're asking. Leadership in the kingdom is about pouring yourself into others to help them grow and be established in the Lord. Turn with me to John 13. I'm going to ask Tammy to come up in, a, in just a minute or two because we're going to do this together. John 13, beginning of verse 1, I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray Jesus... Knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, he arose from supper, he laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist, so he put on an apron, tied it around his waist, then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wiped with the towel that was wrapped around him. 
when he'd entered the room, typically it's the youngest that, that, or a servant who goes around and washes the feet, and none of the disciples were going to lower themselves to do that because it was a dirty job. This was, they didn't have modern sewer systems that we have, so when you're walking through the roads and the streets, your feet can get pretty ugly and you're just wearing sandals. And that's why it was a custom. Like when you come to someone's house, you wash their feet at the door. It was a custom because it was disgusting to walk through anyone's house having walked through those streets. So Jesus didn't rebuke them. What did he do? It says he took off his dress clothes on the outside. So he's wearing his, his T-shirt, trying to put it in modern vernacular and, you know, and just had his T-shirt on. And then he went about, he put an apron on, and he went about washing their, the disciples' feet. Then he came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered and said, what I'm doing, you do not understand now. But afterwards, you will understand. Peter said to him, you, you shall never wash my feet. <clears throat> Peter thought he was honoring the Lord. Like, I, you know, that, that was Peter's intention. But Jesus said to him, if I don't wash you, you have no share with me. And Simon said, well, Lord, then not only my feet, but also wash my hands and my head because I want all of you. Not really, Simon's heart was right, but his understanding was off. Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet. Except for his feet because he's completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you, for he knew who would betray him. That is why he said, not all of you are clean. And when he had washed their feet, he put, on the outer, he put back on his dress clothes, and he resumed his place and said to them, do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Truly I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Leadership means that we will always, we're going to love people and treat them the same all the time. Even when you know that there's one among them that's going to betray you. Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him. Yet he washed Judas' feet. He didn't treat Judas any different. This requires great humility. It requires that we be unoffendable. I'm taking this to the Lord even, you know, this week, being unoffendable. <laughs> Things happen, and you can draw back, and, you know, dead men aren't offendable. <laughs> well, 
But when you take offense, it just tells you, and, and I'm guilty this week as charged, it tells you that your flesh is alive when you take offense. Not recognizing there's deeper things going on. But listen, it's not a bad thing if you can recognize that your flesh is alive because then you can kill it. It's when we don't recognize it that it continues unabated, and that's a scary thing. That's a dangerous thing. So praise the Lord when he puts his finger on something. Don't harden your heart, but be quick to repent, quick to forgive, quick to run to the cross and recognize there, but for the grace of God, go, I, God, help me. Okay, so it requires great humility. It requires that you be unoffendable. You have to go low, putting on a towel, putting on an apron, loving well, washing all the filth, even when you know that your love will not be reciprocated. They're going to turn around and spit in your face, make accusations against you, all sorts of things, but you're called to keep your love on. Where does that come from? That comes from this. That comes from the example of Jesus keeping his love on to someone who was about to betray him. It's especially noteworthy for our candidates for ordination today because they're going to be sent as missionary evangelists. We're recognizing this obvious call on their lives. Sherwin and Merely are called to be both evangelists in this city and to those in the nations. You know, it's obvious that they're called to parts of Asia. That's where they've had a lot of fruit. And I don't know where God will call them next. But that's what I, we, we're recognizing in their lives today. It's obvious. Lachlan and Caitlin are cle clearly called to young adults to the, to the college ministry in this season. I want to emphasize that assignments change, but your calling as a son or a daughter never changes. We're first and foremost called to be sons and daughters of God, to walk with him, first commandment, and to love him with all our hearts, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength, and to love one another. But in the course of your journey, and this is not just the candidates, though it is for them, but it's for everyone in here, God is going to put things in front of you to do. It's your assignment for a season, whether it's helping to lead worship, greeting people in the, as they come through the door, going out with the evangelism teams and loving on people and sharing the gospel. All of these different things are assignments in a season that we give ourselves to. But seasons and assignments change. And so we're recognizing the call and purpose right now over their lives in this season, not saying this is how it's going to be always, but this is what we see God doing, and this is what we feel God is saying. Turn with me to Acts chapter 4. I want to speak this specifically to the candidates, but I, I want all of you to tune in here because this is for you. Because this, beginning of verse 13, it wasn't just written 
for the candidates, it's written for all of us. Beginning at verse 13, and let me just give it a little background. Peter and John were preaching the gospel. They saw a miraculous healing take place. People were in awe. They were receiving the gospel. The religious people of the day, the Sanhedrin, got jealous. They had them arrested and brought before the Sanhedrin, and they were questioning them. Let's pick up with verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. I want to read the last part of that verse. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against this. I want to emphasize they realized that they had been with Jesus. Merrily and Sherwin, Lachlan and Caitlin, you can never spend enough time with Jesus. The time that you spend with Jesus will fill your hearts and it will overflow out. And it, the more he is exalted in your own lives, that he's given primacy, first place, first love, the more that, that you cultivate that place, that will flow out to others. And others will see and realize that you have been with Jesus. The highest thing we can do is spend time with Jesus because out of that flows everything. He's the vine where the branch is. If you cut off the branch from the vine, the vine will die. You need to cultivate time with Jesus. All of us, everyone in this room, you need to cultivate that time. You're, everything in your life will flow out of your connection to God. He is the vine. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. And others will see that you have spent time with Jesus. Turn with me to 2 Timothy 2.15. 2 this is for all of us, but especially for the candidates today. 2 Timothy 2.15. I'm... I'm going back and forth. I'm reading from the New King James now. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I want to read that in connection with 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 to 3, and then we'll put it together a little bit. And then I'm going to ask Tammy to come. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 to 3. Now concerning things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. If anyone thinks that he knows anything, he knows nothing, yet as he ought to know it. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. I wanted to 
put these two verses together because I think it's important that we study the Word of God with the Lord, with the Holy Spirit. It's, if we just study to gain knowledge in our heads and we're not interacting with the Lord in our study to let Him touch our heart, the deep inward places of, our, of who we are, then we'll get filled with knowledge, but it won't transform the, the inside. Amen. To the extent that we allow the Lord to minister to us deeply on the inside, that the transformation of our hearts, that we come alive with the Word, and we're not just filled with a, a knowledge of the Word, but we're filled with deep intimacy with God, <clears throat> then you'll be a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The Pharisees and the Sadducees spent a lot of time studying the Talmud, the Bible, the law, yet when the word of God appeared in front of them, they did not recognize him. We need to know the author, not just know the words. It's got to impact our hearts. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, keep my commandments. We demonstrate our love for God by living in submission to the Holy Spirit and honoring him in all that we do. That's where real love is. Leaders will be tested. David was tested in the wilderness long before he, he was rejected by Saul he was rejected by people that he even saved. There was one town in Keilah. He went in, saved them from the Philistines. <clears throat> and when it's all heard, he was going to come and get them. David said, will the people surrender me to Saul? And the Lord said, yep, they're going to give you up real quick. And he ended up, so he, was, he just saved these people, and they rejected him. Yet in all that, David was being tested and he kept, you know, sometimes it's easier in the, in the trials and the testing to stay close to the Lord. Your successes can be more challenging than the times of trial and testing. I'm going to ask Tammy to come up and share a few things that I know she has in her heart. Thank you, guys. I just wanted to share some things that um, we were given advice about when we were first, you know, in ministry, even just helping out. But before I do that, I just want to acknowledge Pastor Ali Farrell in the room. So we, he's a local pastor here. And, you know, actually, that was the last ordination we were at was Pastor Ali. This was last year, right? So thank you, Jesus. But uh, what I wanted to share was when we were first doing youth ministry, our pastor, you know, um, he, at the time, he, he said to us, a word of advice, okay? Don't work on your ministry. Don't do it. Work on your heart before the Lord. His everything flows from your own heart. Work on growing in the Lord yourself, and that's ultimately what's going to impact everything, yourself and everyone you touch. 
glory, right? It's not the other way around. It's not the programs. It's not the missions. It's not the marketing <laughs> techniques. None of that. I mean, you could have that if that's the way you're going to go, but I thought that was really wise advice. It's posturing our hearts rightly before him. It's spending time, like Bill read, you know, the scripture about the, it's nothing more important than we can do than spending time with Jesus, you know, because a lot is going to flow right from that. Then years later, when we actually ourselves got ordained, um, the second piece of advice that we got that these are lifelong things that have stayed with me, it was from the son of the pastor who married us. And um, his son is a pastor locally, too, in Long Island. And uh, he was present for our nation, and he gave us this word. He said to us, all you have to do is love the people. It sounds so simple, right? But it really is that simple. Aren't we called to love? It's the first, you know, first commandment, first place, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And the second is like unto it, love, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. So it's, it's just love. And so this is really for everyone in the room, but it was just like it dialed it down to this easy, you know, this is all that matters is love people well. And as Bill read the scriptures about here's Jesus, wait, he washed everyone's feet and we focus on the account about Peter, you know, because he was like, oh, Peter, you know, it's like, oh, Lord, don't just wash my, you know, feet. But it's not. He, we overlook maybe, I did anyway, he washed Judas's feet. The betrayer was in the room, and he knew he was going to betray him, but he still did that. That's hit, put your love on and keep it on to another level. You've got to do that no matter what. That's it. That's the word of the Lord. And I love it. It's John 13, right? And later in that chapter is where Jesus said in chapter 13, verse 34 through 35, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you love one another by this, uh-oh, here it goes, by this all will know that you're my disciples. If you love one another, simple. That's all we have to do. Thank you, Jesus. And um, as, as I was praying for all of you, this one scripture really came to my heart, too. I'm going to ask the Message Bible, and I usually don't do Message Bible. Colossians 1, thanks, Dean. Colossians 1, like 10 to 12 in Message Bible. It's a little, it's a little different um, because I want to focus on the word long haul. As we all might start out on the race right, with good intention, I'm going to go to that finish line. But the, when the going gets tough, can we stick it out? So, and then that, that passage in the Message Bible has it in the long haul. Okay. I don't, maybe they can't get it, but I could read it to you. Okay. We pray that you'll live well for the master, making him proud of you as you work hard in his orchard. It's not your orchard. It's his. Ha <laughs> ha. Okay. As you learn more and more how God works, you will learn how to do your work. We pray that you'll have the strength, here we go, to stick it out over the long haul. Not the grim strength of gritting your teeth. 
I answered this call. You know, so hard on my family and my kids, all these things, you know. And I, I just release grace on you right now in Jesus' name. But the glory strength God gives, it is strength that endures the unendurable and spills over into joy. We've been talking a lot about joy, right, last week? Thank you. Thanking the Father who makes us strong enough to take part in everything bright and beautiful that he has for us. I'm just really believing, and that's all I have to say, but I'm just really believing that there's going to be grace imparted to stick it out for the long haul. We know that afflictions come, testing comes, but we can allow the Lord during those times, what is the purpose of those afflictions? We can allow it to groom us become more Christ-like, you know, as we just die and things, and just turning the love on that much more. So with that, um, I'm going to tell you, embrace your difficulties. They will shape you. Don't curse them. Oh, only get over this. But it's almost like during those times is when your heart is formed. I remember many years ago when... You know, things had, you know, Pastor Ali's here today, when things went, like, it looked like a south, a turn south for him, and weeping, weeping, weeping in the back of a church, and it's like, what do I do now? What do I do now? It's like, Lord, it just means that one door is closing, but the Lord is opening up something else that you may never have walked into if you didn't face it. It's not to run away from the afflictions. It's allow them to shape you and let the Lord do what he has to do. Don't run away. There's something about like, God, what do you, help me not just to get through the other side, but what is that door to get through it? Where is it that you want me to go? If you wait on him during that time, and if you allow right counsel in your life, if you're married couples, if you're married couple, then that's like, the, it's going to be like um, your checks and balances are right there. Be humble enough to hear from each other to be able to listen to what the other one is feeling, that's part of it. But also the counsel around you, you cannot surround yourself or you should not surround yourself with yes people. You need to surround yourself. I know we're talking because this is like you guys, where you are today, like we want our ceilings to be your, your start, you know, your floor. And we mean this not just for the candidates today, but every one of you, for cult, for rich, everyone. This is our heart's desire. You know, so you've got to put right checks and balances around you to keep you in the walk of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. You can't expect, oh no, I got it. No, you need people around you that have the okay to speak into your life and tell you, I don't know, how's your heart? Like, it was like a little funky here, you know, like you, how you responded or, or something, right? There's, there's different things. So afflictions, don't curse them. God's got a way 
through it. And, you know, I know others might have something to say, but we'll give you our notes because there's a lot of, there's a lot of things there, and I don't want to take more time. Every, every believer, when the affliction comes, just like David, remember, oh, Ziklag, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness. His best, closest buddies wanted to stone him because their wives and children were all taken away. But he went to inquire of the Lord at his lowest time. And he learned one thing there. He learned to strengthen himself in the Lord. You, each one of you, me, has to continually learn to strengthen myself in the Lord. Not to run away from the affliction, but to strengthen myself in the Lord and get the word of the Lord. And he's going to give you the joy to walk it out. He will. I mean, we read that in Colossians. He will give it. He's not a man that he should lie. Okay, so why don't we bring up our candidates and yay. And our pastoral staff just come up and we're just going to lay hands on them. We want Pastor Ali to come as well. Just acknowledge. I should have acknowledged him earlier, but he, Ali is a leader in the region and carries great anointing. So we're just honored that you're here today to be a part of this. Uh, I'm going to read and pray from Ephesians 4, but before I do that, I just want to give you guys just a moment to share anything that's on your heart. Well, it's not by our own righteousness that we see people healed, receive Jesus, and empowered. It's just really plainly by God. So there's nothing that we can take any glory from it. But one thing that I remember before Shirin and I started the ministry is that I just say yes to God. And I don't know that that yes takes me to places takes me to new people, encountering God. I just say, yes, I didn't even have anything. I just have God. And I didn't realize that he really loves people and he's looking for people to say yes to him. And I just say, yes. And he takes me. And Sherwin, of course. Amen. Uh, I'm just honored and you know, humbled. I just want to let you know that I'm so blessed with the leadership of this church. Like uh, Pastor Bill Tani, uh, called Richie, uh, Mariah, Asal, and Jules, thank you for your life, that you're a blessing to us. And even before coming to this church, like 
for six months we've been praying where to go. Then, I don't know, but for some reason every time we pray, Kevin Jun <laughs> will text me. <laughs> <laughs> then to make the story short, uh, we were in India doing a mission, then we just pray like, where, where do you want us to go? And, and I, don't th- I don't think we're going to go back to the life center, but where, Lord, we ask the Lord where, then, then Kevin Jun text again. <laughs> Then that time, we felt in our hearts, me and Marilee, like the Lord spoke to us that you're supposed to go to Life Center, and, and that's why we are here. And we said to the Lord, like, whatever, Lord, we will serve you. Whatever they want us to do, we'll just say yes, and we will serve you. Thank you. Amen. Yeah, I think we're also just in awe of getting to be here. Um, I think to share quickly a verse that stood out to me this morning, actually, Second uh, Corinthians chapter six, I think verse one. I do not. I, Paul says, "Do not receive the grace of God in vain." And I think Caitlin and I both have our own stories of how God led us even to New York and and to similar callings to one another. And I think one thing that just stands out is to exactly what Marilyn Sean was saying. God is the one who leads this whole thing. I, I was thinking this morning, actually, about the first year I came to Jesus. I remember trying to quit on God just so I could go back to the fleshly things that I was used to. And because I, did, I realized that becoming a Christian came with some difficulties. And, and it is still a mystery to me why God didn't let me go apart from his love. So it's definitely not to our credit. Um, yeah, eventually I was like, okay, well, Lord, if, that, if you did actually give everything, then I want to give you everything. And I said that, yes. But that came because he didn't let go. And just for everyone here, um, I think that that grace of God in vain thing, that there's two ways we can do that. One is we take too much credit or really any credit at all. None of this, nothing good that we ever do comes from ourselves. John 15, Jesus says that plainly. And then this other side of it too is though what Merely was mentioning is that God will take you to places you never imagined and it does come with a cost. Like it will come, God will ask you to give up everything and follow him and he's worth it that's what we're singing you're worthy and so whatever anything that we've had to give up doesn't compare to the vastness of all we've received in Jesus and so that's just my encouragement to everyone is that like joining Jesus great commission to prepare the world is also as we're singing for his return that every nation tongue and tribe would know that there's a father in heaven that gave his son so whoever believes in him could be with him forever just by believing just turning to him that is something that all of us can give our lives for, and we will never regret it. And so I just, yeah, simply pray that all, everything that would happen today would simply be a testimony to that, to Jesus' grace and goodness to all of us here, that he's inviting us into something so much more brilliant than any of us can possibly imagine, and we just are so humbled to get to be just a small example of that today. Um, yeah, I, just to piggyback off of that, um, I think a couple of the stories that like God we're kind of like marking moments I think for like God's calling over our lives Um, I actually hated New York when I first came (laughs) I was like get me out of (laughs) here Lord I'm ready send me home (laughs) but um I just remember like God kind of put me in a place of I was so lonely but I feel like God put me in a place of such desperation and dependency on him that I'd never know. I'd been so independent growing up, and, like, my mom can tell you. <laughs> and I feel like God stripped me away from that. Um, and I, I remember getting, like, my first prophetic word um, 
no idea what she's talking about, but she was like, Caitlin, I just see that you're like, um, the Lord wants to take you to higher places, and I see you being surrounded by children who are not your own. Um, and at the time, I was like, does that mean I'm going to stay single forever? Or like, am I, I'm not going to have my own kids? Like, um, neither are true. But um, in the moment, I feel like God kind of marked me to be a mom, and not just physically, but I think he really gave me like a heart for, the, like there are so many lost people in New York who don't know the love of a father, who don't know the love of a mother. And so I feel like that was one of the moments that was like, okay, I feel called to like mother this generation, or mother whoever God puts in my life. Um, and uh, my friend Kathy can tell you I kind of mom all my friends, um, and that's just kind of the heart God's given me. Um, but I think another marking moment kind of to what he's saying, like giving everything for Jesus, like um, April 2019, I remember I'd, I'd uh, spent 40 days like fasting and praying at NYU specifically, which is how we met. <laughs> um, but I remember God told me to get on my knees during service, and I was like, uh, I mean, I'm used, you guys have seen me on my knees, but it was like a an Asian church. <laughs> Not a lot of people were like raising their hands past their shoulders, so I was like, Lord, like, are you, this feels very awkward. Um, He's like, get on your knees. So I got on my knees, and I just started weeping, thinking about, like, the many people in this city that don't know Jesus, like, even my friends and, like, people I dance with. Um, and I felt like I just started speaking words that were not my own. I kept saying, like, Lord, I want to die to serve you. Like, I, if it means that someone will get to know you, like, I just, I'll give my life for you. And I just kept saying that over and over again. I was like, what am I saying? Like, I don't want to die. Like, <laughs> but that, that was really what God put on my heart was just to, like, give my life up. Like, God, I want to be on the front lines. Like, I want to do whatever you call me to do so that I can serve you, so people can know your love, like, the way that you revealed it to me. And I think the last one was, like, September 2019 slash, like, summer 2020. I feel like we had a 24-7, like, week of fasting and prayer. And, like, actually the the Columbia Chapel, like, the gates are actually the gates where the Fulton Street Revival, like, uh, the same ones of the Fulton Street Revival Church. Um, yeah, and it was a very significant moment because I think Lachlan and I, God just broke our hearts. And some of our friends here, Amanda and Christine, like, we just got wrecked, like, with the love that God has, like, for this city. Because I feel like it's easy to despair, and especially the times that we're living in. Like, oh, my gosh, Lord, how are you going to bring this all together? Like, how are you going to save these people? How are you going to turn people away from all this darkness or save people from death? And I feel like I just started weeping. Um, I was praying with my friend Amanda, and we just both started, like, weeping and weeping because we knew, like, the Lord, like, the Lord's love is enough. And... Um, as long as we say yes to him and we say yes to loving him, like the two commands, right? Like love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Like that's what he asks us to do and that's our yes, right? Like it's, and when we say that, like people, people's lives get changed. Like people's hearts get turned. Like, yeah, so. Amen. Bless the Lord. I'm going to read it from... Ephesians 4, verse 1 to 13, and I want to charge the candidates. Can I ask the congregation to stand and extend your arms and be in agreement even as we're praying because you're bearing witness. This is a solemn ceremony. We're all put on our, our jackets, and <laughs> which we don't normally do, but... Part of it was to recognize, because the Bible says to, that there's a place to honor things, people. And we wanted to give right honor to this moment. So 
here we are. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 1, Paul gave this charge to Timothy. And so I want to charge Sherwin and Miralee, Lachlan and Caitlin. I urge you, Sherwin and Miralee, Lachlan and Caitlin, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Remember, there's one body and one spirit, just as each of you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. There's one Lord, there's one faith, there's one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all, He's through all, and he's in us all. But grace was given to each one according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. Now, Jesus, it says, by the Spirit, he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. For what purpose? It's not for self-recognition or to feel good or for a title. The only purpose of the gift and call is to equip the saints, the ecclesia, all of the called out ones to equip them for the work of ministry. That's why it's the servant. It's putting, this promotion is the apron. It's the towel. This recognition is that you get to wash the feet of the saints, to equip the saints for ministry, for building up the body of Christ and not for tearing it down until you're to keep doing this work until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God till you see the entire body of Christ in mature perfection in him to the full measure of the stature of Christ. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can also follow us on Instagram at LifeCenterNYC or YouTube at LifeCenterChurchNYC.